Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I am your host, Ashra Blakely, with the co-host, with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. What's up, girl? I'm here. Shout out to Bet Online AG, as always, for sponsoring our podcast. And also, shout out to the people that are listening, because they're the real ones. They've been coming back every week and giving us love. Yeah, I, I would love to hear from some of our day ones because you know we got yeah. some day ones out there. You know, I know. If you've been a day one with us, let us know. How let how let yeah. your boy and your girl. Let us know. So we can see you. I'm certainly feeling good. Absolutely. I'm feeling good about us. Uh not feeling so great about the Celtics, though. Lost three out of four coming into Tuesday after having won six in a row. Um there's a lot of chirping about like what's wrong, what's wrong, and we talk a lot about Tatum, and you talk about Grant Williams, and you talk mm-hmm. about Jalen, and now folks are starting to focus a little bit less on what's happening on the court and a little more on the sideline, specifically mm-hmm. Brad Stevens. Uh, his his name has been one that has been used in vain lately by Celtics fans and Celtics Nation. Uh, not sure if it's all warranted, but it, it feels as though there's a different. Uh, vibe now with this team under Brad's leadership than it was previously. What, what, are you, what are you thinking about Brad and just kind of where he stands in, in the eyes of Celtics Nation? It's definitely a tricky situation because to your point, people love to put the blame on someone. It's either Danny, it's either Coach Stevens. Obviously, the players are always going to get slack. I don't even know who to blame at this point, and it's unfair. It's one of those things where it's you either just blame everyone or – it's just not a functioning ship, essentially. I'm not really sure if he has – I don't know. It's one of those things where obviously he's the coach, but at the end of the day, he's not the one on the floor. And there are a lot of adjustments that you have to make as a player when you realize that you're down in games as well. So it's tricky because I do think that there is definitely a level of coaching that maybe he's not getting to his players or whatever the case is. Obviously, we don't know. But I don't want to put all of blame on him because I do think that's unfair when you look at this squad. And it's not all on him. He's not the one out there missing shots. <laughs> no, he, he's not. But I, I do think, though, that what we're starting to see more of uh, isn't so much blame, Brad, but they want to see more accountability for why things aren't working from right. Brad. And it's one thing for him to say that, you know, I got to do a better job. But it's a completely different thing when it's like, well, why aren't you doing a better yeah, job? Yeah. We're like, we're, I mean, we're damn near at the end of the regular season and the issues that we're talking about with this team like effort and focus and, and guys not just picking up on things as quickly as they should those are things that we, should, we shouldn't be having those conversations at this point in the season uh this team has shown the ability to be consistently inconsistent uh th- their effort has been questionable uh and and they are consistent with that and yes that that certainly is a player thing but there's a there's a coaching component to that struggle too, and I don't know if Brad has figured out exactly how to get more out of what he's working with. And I know they've been hit as hard as anyone by COVID and health and safety protocols, and you've had some guys injured. But the guys who do play, you don't get the sense that they're stepping up, and it's either because they're not making the most of the opportunities they're getting, or they're not getting enough opportunities to make the most of them. Uh, but there is a clear disconnect between what Brad and his staff wants guys to do and what they're actually doing. And whether that is on totally on Brad, totally on the players, it's more likely somewhere in the middle. I do like the fact that there's a greater sense of 
having Brad be among those who should be accountable for this team being so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we far too often put it on the players, and they deserve it because they, they're yeah. literally the ones out there not getting it done. Mm-hmm. But let's not pretend that the coach has nothing to do with that, and yet we're the first ones to prop him up when things are going great and the team yeah. is winning. You can't mm-hmm. have it both ways. And, and I think Brad understands that. Uh, and I think Celtics Nation and Celtics fans are starting to embrace that. But that doesn't make it any easier or more comfortable for anyone involved. Agreed. Great point. So let me ask you this, Kwani. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the problems. Mm-hmm. We talked about Brad. Mm-hmm. We talked about things not quite being where they should be. Yeah. Where is your level of concern slash panic? And, and by that, I mean, like, a one would be like, we're good. None to see here. Let's keep yeah. it moving. Yeah. Ten, we need to blow this thing up. We need to get rid of the whole enchilada. Where are you in that that range? I would say I'm at a four because I'm not necessarily neutral on them, obviously. And the reason why I still lean more towards the they're okay, so to speak, is because I do realize that playoff basketball is different and there's a different pace. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the players on that team have – I mean, Kemba last year was finally able to get his first playoff win. So he even can say he's been in in that kind of experience of what playoff basketball is. And so at this point, the regular season, I'm over it. I definitely don't see that as what we expected (laughs) overall. But if they're able to and willing to step up for playoff ball the way that they have in the past, then I'd be like, okay, you know what? I could see them making it pretty far. But until I see that, until I see maybe the first two playoff games, I'm still not sold necessarily, even though I know they have the tools to be successful. They need to tap into that. Yeah. I mean, I I will put them at a three. Uh, And and I I say that because even if they were healthy, good to go, all that good stuff, they're what, third, fourth best team in the East? And they're now at six. So it's not like this, there's this huge drop off from where they are and where they could theoretically be if they were playing great, very good basketball. Uh, I think so many things have to go their way and for them to really be a top two, top three team in the East. And it's been just the opposite. Very few things have worked out for them. So I, I'm not that worried because I think they're not that far from where they sh- where they should be. Now, as you pointed out, Kwani, they got a lot of guys with a lot of playoff experience who understand how different the game changes once you get past that regular season. And hopefully the Celtics will be able to tap into that, that they'll figure out a way to, you know, kind of dig deep and rise up and do the kind of things that we've seen them do in past years. Uh, I am, am I confident that they're going to do that? No, hell no, because I haven't seen a lot in the regular season that would make me feel confident, but I do know that is in them. Uh, I do know that they have that potential, but I am nowhere close to like hitting the panic button or anything like that uh, mm-hmm. on this team. And you know who else isn't hitting the panic button these days? The freaking Charlotte Hornets oh, who handed Boston the beat down on, on over the weekend. Uh, and the Celtics don't get a chance to see them again uh, later mm-hmm. on this week. Uh, we'll, exactly. And we'll dig into what's clicking for the Hornets as well as the former Celtics, who are now Charlotte Hornets, and, and their impact on that. As we have a good conversation with Rick Bunnell, longtime beat writer with the Charlotte Observer, Rick is about to join us right now. Hey, Rick, how's it going, my friend? How you been? It's been a really interesting year. Um, 
I, I think this, I'm speaking for every single NBA beat writer when I say that while we've traveled less than we have for any season, I think we're all more tired than we've ever been before. <laughs> we're all zoomed out in so many ways. It's not even, I used to think that the concept of just having like this kind of already prepackaged amount of time and, and visibility with players would be a good thing. But then you realize it's not because you're only getting a couple of players and you're sharing them with like 25, 30 people every single day. You get no me time. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not crazy about that. But I tell Having you what. unstructured, intimate conversation is so hard. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and the ones I've had. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. It's very different. And, and you know how it is in Boston. I mean, there's there's a million and one media members and now there's a million and one media members on Zoom. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, what hasn't uh, been an issue. You're Charlotte Hornets. That beatdown that they put on Boston over the weekend. I mean, where did that come from? It was only just like, what, three weeks ago where Boston beat them by like 30. Um, I think the most remarkable thing about that was not that they beat the Celtics by 25, but they actually got to 100 points in three quarters. I mean, it since since LaMelo has left, and, you know, the, the term that James Borrego uses to describe LaMelo, he calls LaMelo their engine in the sense of what they do offensively. It You know, when you lose LaMelo and Gordon Hayward and Malik Monk, um, wow. for, for each of them for at least a month, actually – each of them, yeah, for probably a little more than a month. I mean, your offense is so handicapped that they've had six games in recent memory when they haven't gotten the 98 points. Oh, wow. And they put a, they put a C note in three quarters against the Celtics. I don't know if that's like them doing really well offensively or the Celtics defense is that trash right now. The Celtics seem to think that game tipped off at four. <laughs> well played <laughs> and the Celtics are very familiar with a guy going by the nickname of Scary Terry how has he been for the Charlotte Hornets and what? Ha how have you seen him grow in his time there so far you know that horrible expression that we all laugh at when coaches say so and so is an even better human being than he is a player yeah, yeah. So <laughs> really Terry really is yeah He's exactly the person you want to be the the um, the center of your locker room. Um, I was saying to um, Sherrod before we, we started taping, the thing that's so cool about Terry is they have asked him to change his job description at least five times in one and a half seasons. And every single time his only reaction was to shrug and go, I got this coach. Yeah, I I, I miss him so much. I ain't going to lie. Um for me and Terry got to know each other a little bit when in summer league uh, out in Vegas, when basically nobody really gave a damn about who this dude was. And I just remember we would just sit down and have these normal like conversations that have very little to do with basketball, but you could tell that this was a guy that you really wanted in your squad. Uh, if, and, I, and like I was telling Rick before, if he could just be like, you know, marginally decent an NBA player, everyone's going to love this dude. Uh, and, and so it took something of the likes of a Kyrie Irving for, for the Celtics to be comfortable kind of letting him go. Uh, but man, you know, buyers are more big time when you think about but just how perfect for him. when you think about the development of his game, he was never going to get that real starting experience. So I'm sure you could speak for me that Charlotte has been the perfect opportunity for him to really shine as a star that he wants to be. 
While I agree with you, I would say that his success here has been more a function of his adaptive nature. Mm-hmm. You know, supposedly he was coming here to replace Kemp as the point guard. Mm-hmm. Ten games into his first season here, it was obvious that Devonte Graham was just, you know, just blowing up, right. and they asked Terry to facilitate that by being a shooting guard. Um, he does that extremely well. They draft Lamelo Ball, and all of a sudden now you don't just have one alternative primary ball handler; you have two alternative primary ball handlers. Terry has, like I said, when I talk about all the different things he's been asked to do. Um, he has often been asked to be their their first defensive option on the perimeter. That changed a little bit because Cody Martin has has improved. But the bottom line of the situation is they keep asking him to do something new every 20 or 30 games, and his reaction is just, okay, whatever, I got it. Um, you know, it, he was perceived as being overpaid for what the Hornets had to do to get him, and now he looks very underpaid. It's funny how that happens. Happened with a guy. Happened with a guy they drafted a long time ago named Kemba Walker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite so much now, but yeah. Right. Yeah. There's another. Uh, there's another Celtic in the Hornets' nest, so to speak. Uh, Is there? Terrible pun. <laughs> terrible pun on my part, by the way. Terrible pun. You went that to was Syracuse. And came up with. I that. know. I know. I did the alma mater <laughs> bat on that one. I really did. But Gordon Hayward, though, I mean, we, we you know, that's someone and, and you know this, Rick, that's someone that Michael has had his eye on for quite a while. Uh, yes. And what has he brought to the table? I mean, obviously he's hurt now, but when he was healthy, what were some of the things that made him someone that really helped this team be in the position there now, which is, you know, one of the better teams in the East? When healthy, if you only take that segment, mm-hmm. um, Gordon has been exactly what they paid him to be. Um, this team needed a an organizer. It needed a connector. It needed a guy who could get you out of late shot clock situations. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I, I've got to know Ron Norid really well. I know that he used to be with the Celtics organization. Yeah. Ron has a unique perspective on this because he was Gordon's point guard at Butler. Right. So he is now an assistant coach here and a guy who used to roam with, with Gordon on the road at Butler. Um, I thought that Ron put this so well before the season. Um, you know, Gordon was a double engineering major at Butler. He has that point of view in life. He's a calculator. Mm-hmm. Ron said to me, don't talk about him as a scorer. Don't talk about him as a passer. Talk about him as a decision maker. Talk about him as a guy who can take be surrounded by a bunch of young guys still trying to figure out how to play. And this guy, nine out of ten times, will make the decision, whatever it is, that will give you the best fighting chance of a possession to get out of it with points. In that regard, he's been really good here. I think that the only thing that they need to worry about, and this is just a natural thing, when you pay this much money for a 30-something free agent, are the last two years of that contract going to look cost-effective? It's, Mm. you know, in some ways – you could say it's kind of comparable to what this, the commitment the Celtics made with Kemba. You know, Kemba is a human pinball. Um, he has to play that way to be effective. Inevitably, he's going to get hurt, and he showed up in the Celtics' door with some knee problems already. In the same sense, you know, you have to wonder if the best of those guys is going to be at the front end of very long, very expensive contracts. 
Yeah, I mean that that's certainly like around here. That's really the issue with Kimba. It's not so much how he's playing, but the fact that he doesn't play as regularly as you want, and it's all directly tied in with his health. Um, and it, you're right, Rick. I mean, it, it does become something that becomes very problematic near the end of of the contract because then if you're thinking about moving that player you know you're going to get less in return because everyone knows you're trying to move that guy right if you can even get a buyer right 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 absolutely absolutely um well even though we're still trying to figure out obviously how the hornets and their now former celtics are going to work out one thing that we know always works out on the A-List podcast is our sponsor, betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. Red Sox had that nice, sweet thing, seven, eight-game win streak. You can track all that and then some with all the action at betonline.com. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. BetOnline has you covered. Before the next pitch, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or your mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, Kwani. Let's go. Don't forget (laughs) to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And as Kwani will tell you, that is far and away my favorite part of every single show. Every single episode. <laughs> and you find a way to just sneak it in. Our guests are always like, what is he about to say? And What's he about to do? <laughs> Kwani, when I first knew Sherrod, yeah. when he was covering the Pistons, if you told me that 10, 15 years later, I'd be listening to him do a live read, yeah, not a wouldn't believe it. <laughs> wow. That was yeah. That was Bro. that was so not in the playbook. <laughs> Wait, I do have to ask Rick because you mentioned Syracuse. Did you also go to Syracuse? Oh yeah, I'm one of those new house mafia guys. I swear, He's every episode he just brings another one. I don't wear the orange blue stuff. He's in suffering. I respect yeah. it. I respect it. See, I can deal with that. <laughs> yeah. He's low key. I'm I'm just I'm banging the keys. Yeah, of course. all the time. We really, I think he was inside the auto costume, actually. Um, I always had a suspicion. <laughs> that would I, make I sense. I would if I could, but they wouldn't let me. Wouldn't let Why me. not? Height restriction. I don't know. Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about basketball, but there is obviously, on a less lighter note, the shooting death of Andrew Brown Jr. in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And over the last year, we've seen a lot of, obviously, social activism from the players in the NBA. And I was just curious from your perspective, how do you think it's affected some of the Charlotte players and what have you seen overall when it comes to the social justice movements that they've been making? Um, I have not talked to the players specifically about what's happening lately in Elizabeth city. I will tell you that the entire state, I think it's fair to say is really upset about that partially because there's a really strange law in this state that does not give automatic access um, to to body cams, and that's really unfortunate. But um, I will tell you that the driver of social activism around the Charlotte Hornets is actually from the very top. Um, Michael Jordan's been really interesting in that regard. Um, He he pledged $100 million over the next 10 years along with Jordan Brand um, to deal with causes, a lot of it voter activation, a lot of it... um, um, 
helping small businesses. Um, but the other thing that I thought was really interesting is, you know, it, it got very trendy last summer for NBA teams to start providing um, arenas um, as, as mass voting sites. The Hornets were way out ahead on that. The Hornets started a plan on that um, way before it was trendy. I think literally Sacramento and maybe the Pistons were the only other teams that were that proactive about that part of it. And it's, it's been a really cool thing to see. Um, the Hornets, you know, I mean, I, we can talk all day about what's good and bad about this franchise. They have always been co- good corporate citizens in, in recent memory. And that's, they're an asset to Charlotte in that way. Yeah. I mean, Michael has really, I think, forced people to reevaluate the narrative. Uh, as it relates to him and his uh, activation with social justice causes, when you look at just not so much the the talk, but the actual walk that that he has had of late, uh, when it comes to frankly being part of the solution and not on the sidelines, uh, so absolutely tip your head off to Michael Jordan. Um, he's he's doing what he's doing what should be done on so many levels. So um, he's gotten a lot of slack, obviously, in in the past for the lack of maybe activism as a player, but it was a different era of basketball. And I think the fact that he's been able to adapt to the fact that it is more okay to speak out against injustices, I think that's a great way to use the platform. So I think voting access is a really cool thing Mm -hmm. um, to to address. But the other thing, you know, that they've been involved with for years because they, they went out and they looked for real needs in the community. And one of the things they discovered was, um, was food issues. Um, they've hmm. been they've been very very involved with with food banks and food deserts. Um, Michael has funded um, two free clinics with the uh, with the, with the hospital unit that um, sponsors the Hornets. I mean, they basically said we're going to build two clinics that the vast majority of the medical care is free in underserved um, neighborhoods in Charlotte. You know that's. Like you said, that's not just talking right. That's doing things that have real, um, real tangible um, impact. Yeah, absolutely. Kwani, you it's took us down to- this. this yeah, I- lighten the low, Kwani. Let's have some fun. Come on. With some games. I'm not sure if Sherrod told you, but we play games on this podcast. So now you have to play because you've already made it this far <laughs> into the episode. <laughs> There's no turning back. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so the first game, it's a new one. It's called Shoot Your Shot. And you have one shot to win a championship. And you either have Terry Rozier or Kemba Walker. Who are you taking and why? Well, now that's interesting because if you were asking me, I don't want to get too technical, but I mean, if you were talking about creating a shot, then I might say Kemba. But I will tell you that Terry has nerves of steel. I don't know. You know, um, I was talking to an NBA scout, a player personnel guy who was at a lot of Hornets games, who doesn't work for the Hornets. And I said, what what do you know about Terry Rozier that you didn't know before? And it was interesting. The guy said he's as fearless as anybody in this league. You know, I'm saying is, you know, um, there are a lot of people in this league who no matter how good they are, they don't want the ball hitting their hands with five seconds left in the game. And Terry doesn't just, he isn't just comfortable with that. He embraces it. So, you know, if, if somebody's got to hit a 20 foot jump shot um, and my, you know, and my house is up for grabs, I, it would be Terry. <laughs> I'm going to go I against say, you I there. 
Really? I, that was a great. That was a great. That was a great, great summation of why Terry would be a guy. Yeah. But I'm gonna go with Kimba simply because Kimba has been down that road before. Uh, Kimba has delivered big shots and big moments before. And I look at the trajectory of his season. If there's anyone who's due to have a game in which they deliver that type of dagger, it's Kimba Walker. Uh, and it's it's not as if we're talking about a guy who hasn't played at a high level before. Uh, I, I honestly believe if it came down to one shot to win a game and it was in Kimba's hands, I take Kimba just because the experience and the fact that just the law, just the odds are in his favor of making that shot because he hasn't had a lot of opportunities like that. And when he has, he hasn't always delivered the way he needs to. And his health, I think, at that point will be significantly better than it is at the present time. Sherrod, would you agree with me that Kemba's gift in those situations is more ability to create the space to get off a good shot, where Terry's more is the steely nerves to, hey, I'm, that ball's going to go through the, the net whether it did last time or not? Yeah, would Terry's got that? that. I don't give a damn if I'm 0 for 17. Yes, if we yeah. can win, I'm taking oh, it. Uh, right. Whereas Kemba, if he – I love yeah. Kimba's creativity with the ball to create space. It's, right. it's I think, different. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think with Kimba, if he's like 0 for 16 and it's the game's on the line, he's going to create enough space to get a good look. Whereas mm-hmm. Terry, it doesn't matter if he's got enough space, he's still going to take that shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 We've got more okay. games, Connie, right? We have more games. And this one's another new one. We call it Who's Got the Props? As in prop bets. So most dunks between Jalen Brown and Miles Bridget. Bridges, who do you have? And we're talking uh, about the game coming up. Yeah. Most dunks for a season? No, for the game coming up this uh, on Thursday. Jalen will probably have more dunks, but Miles is by my, Miles by Miles will have the most money. <laughs> oh, that's such a uh, that's another Syracuse one. Did he oh just, my gosh. I gotta leave. Out of the day. I gotta leave. Get me out of here. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Miles is gonna have more dunks because miles i just think is wired for that part of his game the thing i like about miles is when he dunks there's the you it, it's like it's like it's an earthquake that you know is coming and you know it's going to register before it actually lands when he takes off if you're in in that in his runway bye bye you're getting dunked on Jalen has more finesse to it, but I, I think Miles, there's going to be just more opportunities because, well, and the other thing too, and we, we didn't get into this, I just think Charlotte will do a better job defensively uh, and not allow Jalen to get too many dunks. Where I don't think the Celtics will do a good job defensively because that's just not who they are this year. So I like Miles to get a few more dunks. Um, one of the things, I did this really long takeout on Miles recently, and one of the things that I talked to him and people around him about is the emotional impact of those of those baskets beyond two points. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. Borrego, who I think of as a, not clinical, but somebody who's very technical in nature, JB said, oh, my God. He goes, I've seen the effect. He said, when he does that to the other team, he said, there's about five minutes when I know that it's not only affecting my team, it's affecting their team. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it really does feel like, you know, an earthquake just happened in your backyard and you've got to like reassess where are all the paintings. I got to clean up this glass. You're not thinking about, you know, what you're supposed to be thinking about that dunk has that impact. He's, Oh, uh, I, I, I enjoy watching him play. 
Uh, and he's another well, one of those he's kids. A dramatically more, he's become a dramatically more impactful all-around player. I mean, I thought yeah. it was interesting when, when Borrego said that Miles has reached a, a level in the last 20 games that he never anticipated him getting to this season. You don't often hear a coach acknowledge that. No, no. It's usually, of course I knew he'd be that great with my coaching and my tutelage and my, 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 my. He's a great player. Wow. Good for JB. Good for JB. <laughs> so the next one is who will have the most made three-point shots? Is it Jason Tatum or is it Terry Rozier? Probably Tatum because if I were Jason Tatum after what happened Sunday, I'd have a mat on going into that game. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, 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 it was like Thanos snapped his fingers around Jason before that. <laughs> but actually, I yeah. like that. I like that. Thanos. I couldn't get over. That. I couldn't yeah. get over that. Yeah, it's. I I, I agree. I, I think Tatum is going to have a big game. I, I think Tatum is going to be angry. Tatum. Uh, I think we're going to be. We're going to see Tatum after talking to Kendrick Perkins. Tatum, that guy. Uh, that guy was really good. I think we'll see him resurface uh, next time because, you know, even though they'll, the Celtics will have played, obviously, a game since they played Charlotte, that's going to be fresh in their minds. Uh, they didn't just lose. They got their asses kicked. Uh, and now they're coming to you. And now you get a chance to almost amend yourself for that. Uh, or, and, and I expect a big game from Tatum. You know, the other thing I'm curious about with that rematch I don't know what was up with Evan Fournier. I mean, he just Ooh. wasn't there. Was kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Evan, no way. I, don't I, think I, got a, I got a feeling Evan's due. Well, yeah. let's put it this way. He was 0 for the game, and since he's been a Celtic, it wasn't the first time he was 0 for the game. Uh, so, to me, yet he had another game where he could miss. So he has literally been the epitome of feast or famine. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went off and had like 25 points on 10 for 12 shooting. Right. Wouldn't be surprised if he had a big fat donut and was 0 for 10. Exactly. I'm looking for that first shot. The first shot that he takes is going to tell me everything I need to know. Yeah. If that shot goes in, big night. If that shot doesn't go in, more the same. It's a wrap. <laughs> right. And finally, who's going to have the bigger stat line points, rebounds, assists between Marcus Smart and P.J. Washington. Oh, that's not even close. It's P.J. Oh. P.J. is on a ridiculous run right now. I, yeah. I, and, and listen, I'm a as, – as Sherrod can confirm, I, I'm one of those people who, like, thinks that defense is beautiful. I, I told Sherrod a year and a half ago that I think that Marcus Smart is one of the most undervalued people in the league because he does something different from what everybody else in the Celtics does. Mm -hmm. But as far as putting up numbers, PJ's been crazy since he came back from that that ankle sprain. This will be a really tough one uh, because he's right. P I mean, normally if we had this conversation like maybe three months ago, it would be a no-brainer. Marcus would win. Uh, but PJ has been putting up ridiculous numbers. But damn it, I'm rolling with Smart Boy. Uh, I'm rolling. I'm gonna roll with Marcus. I think that he's gonna have a Tatum. I think he's gonna have a one of those Tatum moments uh, where it's like, I gotta make an impact. I've got to. I've got to do more than I'm doing. I, I think they're gonna win that game. I think Marcus is gonna have a big game. Uh, but then I, I, it's hard for me to go against these Charlotte guys because I like them. 
I love Miles. I love PJ. I love T Rose. I love Gordon. I love all those guys. But I think Marcus is going to have a bigger game than PJ, though. I did not see starting PJ um, at center as being a, a thing that was going to end well. And it really has. I mean, it's yeah. what it's done is he is so shorthanded right now that it has allowed him to get his best players in the court, however they range it. Um, the most interesting thing about James Borrego, about, about three weeks into him being the coach here, I asked him if there was anything about the way he looks at life that would affect his coaching. Mm-hmm. And I got this startling answer where he said that he never, ever, when he looks back on, on being a head coach, wants to look at himself as reactionary. He said, I'm not going to be one of these people who's obsessed with scouting reports. I'm not going to be this person who changes my lineup every single game because of who I'm playing. What that has meant is he's very unorthodox. He, he, you know, he, he wants to put other people in predicaments and sometimes that blows up in his face. But what I'm saying is he is going to do what he thinks works with his roster. And then he tells the other coach, you know, whatever you do to bust that up, that's your business, but I'm going to go with my guys. And that's really, Sherrod, would you agree with me that, most there's way too much conformity in NBA coaching. It is. I mean, everyone is trying to react as opposed to be proactive with what they yeah. do. Uh, we, we we've seen we've seen a bit of that here in Boston lately, uh, and it's not pretty. Uh, but I, the thing I, I like about JB though is is that he has an, he has a philosophy, and he hasn't really deviated from you. When you start looking at and, and Rick, you've, I know you you know the numbers better than than any of us. But when you start looking at just the way his teams play and the guys that he plays, and the roles that he has them embracing, there's not a whole lot of, of deviation uh, from that. Whereas some games in Boston, you might see Grant Williams playing the small ball five. Other times you might see him switched out where he's guarding Terry Rozier. And sometimes that stuff is sort of kind of by design, which leaves you scratching your head. Why would you do that? Um, it's it's, it's refreshing to, to see that. I'm going to say something from afar, and I want to know if you two people who are up close agree or disagree. I don't think Brad likes his team. I think that that roster makes him uncomfortable. I think it doesn't. He's not really sure if it all fits together. Um, I thought that there was zero chance that he'd take a college job just because nobody in his right mind is going to leave an NBA job for a college job. But when people would ask me if there's any chance he would listen if North Carolina came calling, I said, well, I just don't think Brad particularly likes his team right now. Am I am I wrong in that in that notion? I don't think he likes the way they're playing as a team. And I think part of his issue is he hasn't figured out why they're playing this way. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of frustration with that. But I, I think Brad is, is is such a prideful guy that the idea of walking away with the job very much un in a very messy state right now. I don't yeah. think his I don't think his pride would let him feel comfortable well, sure, walking away from that. He doesn't want to start recruiting again because nobody in his right mind does, right? Yeah. I, I I'm I'm still, you know, I, and I love Mike Woodson. That's my guy. Love him to death. I would have stayed as an assistant in the NBA. I, I would have. Um the money might be better at, at Indiana, but all the things that you're gonna have to do to earn that money <laughs> right. at that particular school, uh nah. Being, you know, being Tom Thibodeau's uh, guy on the bench in New York, I'm all about that life. Uh, so it's, it's it's cleaner. It's you know, Brad Doherty does a work does a weekly appearance on a radio show down here, mm-hmm. and Matt put it so well. 
He said 90% of being an NBA coach is coaching. 90% of being a college coach is not coaching. That is, that's, that's well, that is well put. And I'm actually going to steal that and use that at some point down the road. I'll give Brad credit because that's what we do at Syracuse. That was Matt. It was, I I misspoke. It was Matt. It was Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty. Okay. Oh, the former (laughs) USC coach. Okay. Okay. I will give Matt Doherty credit for that. Okay. But I will steal that. (laughs) As Larry Brown said, really smart people steal See a good idea and steal it immediately. Exactly. Yes, yes. And it was a really smart idea for us to have you on this week. This was great, Rick, man. I appreciate you, man. This was really good and really timely. And uh, hopefully we'll get a better game when these two guys, when these Charlotte and, and Boston meet again later this week. Um, You know, that game actually has stakes. Um, When you think about it. I mean, I don't think that the Hornets can catch the Celtics in the standings, but do keep something in mind. If by some miracle the Hornets win that game in Boston, they would clinch another tiebreaker. They, mm-hmm. they have tiebreakers over pretty much everybody who surrounds them in, the, um, you know, in, that, in that ugly middle between 6 and 11. Right. Yeah, no one wants that play, no one wants that play in game smoke this year. No one wants to be in 7 through 10. I'll tell you what you really want to avoid. You want no part of playing the Wizards in a one-game series to get into the playoff draw. That team, there's a there's an expression in tennis called a dangerous floater, which is a a player that is not seated in a major that you want no part of. Yeah. The Washington Wizards define a dangerous floater. Absolutely. You're coming Absolutely. with all these good analogies today. We just need to have you on every week. <laughs> well, he went to he went to a great school, Kwani. What do you expect? Uh. <laughs> He's gonna pull out that orange and blue T-shirt any second nope. now. See? And then <laughs> I will. Lose it. <laughs> you know it's not. You know it's always within arm's reach. You know it's always within arm's reach. Oh my god! I have nothing. I have nothing. Yeah. Oh, Rick Vanell, Charlotte so Observer. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, my friend. This was great. This was awesome. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. It's always a pleasure to have another Syracuse alum on the show. Sherrod, what were your biggest takeaways from your fellow? Wow. Did, person? I'm just I'm just proud of you, Kwani, for doing that without rolling your eyes too much. Yeah, uh, I'm so I, I appreciate that. You, you can be when you want to from time to time. Okay. You can. <laughs> no, but Rick was good. I mean, just kind of, you know, really bringing us up to date on just, you know, the former Celtics, uh, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, what they meant to that team. And really just that Charlotte team is uh, – I thought at the very end where he started talking about tiebreakers, uh, that's going to come into play in some capacity, which makes this upcoming game between the Hornets and the Celtics a very big one. Uh, they, they Celtics, they need this win to give themselves a little bit more cushion from a team like the Hornets who have shown the ability to play at a high level and beat them and beat them badly. Um, I'm still processing and marinating over what he said about the Washington Wizards. Uh, yeah, they yeah. do scare me the way they're playing now. It's almost as if they're they're playing like a team that has nothing to lose, that knows they can beat you, even yeah. if they're not playing great basketball. They can still beat you because they've got guys who can defend, guys who can get buckets and match up problems that, frankly, make it very difficult to limit their guys when they get it going. So um, lots of good That's stuff. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And as a fan of basketball, I always get excited when it comes to playoff season, when it is an unpredictable type of outcome. But at the same time, for Celtics fans, if you're wanting your team to go far, they're going to need to step it up. Because as you mentioned, those sleeper teams are ready. They're hungry. And I mean, the East is an open field for anyone at this point. So Celtics got to really step it up this time. They do. Because right now, before games played on on Tuesday, they're a half game uh, out of Mm -hmm. that whole play-in bracket. And and they're currently in that sixth spot. So they need to start stacking some wins uh, soon. Mm -hmm. What do you have coming up down with your other projects? Um, other projects, yeah. other projects. Hmm, what do we got? No, uh, a Bleacher Report, we're uh, actually, we're, we're doing a little uh, playoff Rondo piece. Uh, just kind of whether or not playoff Rondo can do the unthinkable, and that is get the Clippers out of the second round of the playoffs, which is where that has been the end of their postseason journey mm-hmm. ever. They've never gotten out of, out of that. So Rondo, you know, and you look at, and you know, I'll get into just what, what some executives are saying about Rondo as well as, you know, looking at the numbers and the data that remind us all about playoff Rondo and how good he can be. Uh, so I've got that coming. And also I'll have some stuff for Boston Sports Journal uh, where I'll just kind of look at where the latest for the Celtics are at this weekend and, and just kind of do a, kind of a synopsis of, of that. And later on this Tuesday night, uh, I'll be on the Garden Report. Uh, we'll we'll just look back at you know just kind of the fallout from the latest Celtics uh, victory. We hope, um, and so we'll we'll be talking about that. And I'll be on Locker Room later on tonight. Uh, and if you don't have Locker Room, definitely download that uh, on on your from your um, from your local app store. Uh, me and the crew will be on that. And speaking of downloading and apps and people that we love. What about betonline.ag, Kwani? Yes, Betonline AG. We say every week, they're the ones that are showing us love in addition to the people that are listening. So make sure you check them out. Use our code CLNS50 for a bonus and let us know what happens. If you win, if you lose, I want to hear about it. I, I haven't yet to hear about anyone winning or losing. So I would love to get a little more feedback on that. <laughs> I've been low key winning. I, 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 I need oh, to actually yeah. start putting. I, I have to do a better job of letting you know about my wins because I've I've had some nice yeah. dubs. Uh, okay. I have some nice okay. dubs lately. So uh Betterline, it's it's been and it's easy too. I mean, that's the thing about right. it. it. It really is very easy to get set up and get situated and and just mm-hmm. really just just try your hand at, at different sports and and some of the prop bets and all that kind of stuff. So uh definitely right. betterline.ag is the place to be. Um Period. Period. well, Kwani, another podcast in the Another uh, one. Oh, I do one. have to brag real quick. Can I bet brag real quick? No. Your girl Emmy nominated. So please address me accordingly. That's I will. All. I will. <laughs> and 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 I I will I will just leave it right there because yeah, uh, it's nice to have your work acknowledged for an Emmy it nomination. Is. It is. So soon, y'all, I'll let you know what happens in June. Okay. Yeah. It is in June. Okay. But with that being said, for Sherrod Blakely, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. Thank you so much for listening to the A-List podcast and come back next week for another episode. We out.